Welcome to the Since Graduation Podcast. My name is Calvin Van Leeuwen, and this is my co-host, the man so smart they graduated him twice, Emmanuel David. Thanks, Calvin. So this is our first official episode since we graduated. So I think this is like our inaugural since graduation episode. I think that's why we're going to call it episode three. I, I, I feel like we should have named them episode negative one episode zero and this should be episode one i don't think normal people would like that yeah i don't think that's supported by the podcast community yeah anyway how does it feel to have graduated calvin well a little bit anticlimactic i mean i wasn't expecting a climax to be after i graduated to be clear but it just it was just such a slow fade out from the end of the year that, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, it doesn't feel like summer has begun. Also, because I think I've not really stopped doing work stuff. Like, I'm, I'm still, I have a camp that I'm running in the summer, so I'm really just continuing work, just doing not school, but something else. Yeah, and I'm doing the same thing too. Like the past two weeks, I've been just waking up painting for eight hours a day and then going to bed. And now I'm just going to keep doing that. I actually think our commencement ceremony was quite sweet, even though it was a little bit difficult to do. Like we were all asked to come at a certain time and and like make sure that we left on time and put our cars in our right number spot and like all all these precautions it did feel um like something special and in a weird way like I never expected to get honked at as I got my diploma ever did I think that but um it, it felt really cool and and it was it was really unique which I appreciated yeah, the way they had it set up was there There are 14 kids in our class, so there are 14 different spaces for cars sort of surrounding a stage in a semicircle. And then when they called your name, just you would get out and get your diploma while everybody would be in their cars honking. I was really worried about this, actually. Not for, like, the standard reason of that's just going to be weird, but I was worried that I was going to pick up the diploma somebody was going to honk the horn and I would just like throw it. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know the vine of the grandma who's holding her milk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then somebody honks the horn and she just chucks the milk <laughs> like a solid 30 yards or something. <laughs> and I was really worried that was going to happen with the diploma. I'm not used to being honked at. I don't drive yet. So I was a little scared that I would do something really dumb. I was told that the day before I would be the first one to go, even though like alphabetically 
I'm like sixth, which was I was, I was very happy about because it's like the nice in between. You're not at the beginning or the end. They're like, since your mom was at the rehearsal, you're gonna have to go first. And I was like, I've. They expect me to like set an example, and I felt like this deep responsibility to make sure that I didn't linger too long. And then I I realized I have to pick up my diploma on the table, and I was like. Where's my diploma? Will it be closest to me or will it be the first one? So like if you can see in the video, I'm like scanning like from as far as I possibly can with like like trying to figure out which one's mine. And so I look really upset like trying to figure out. Like, I was also really worried about that. I don't have great eyesight. <laughs> so I, I have really bad eyesight. And I was really worried that I was going to get up there and not be able to tell which one was mine because I didn't have my glasses. And to compound this issue, the little pieces of paper, which were on our diplomas, which had our names on them, they all blew away, like halfway through the ceremony. But somehow, mine was still sort of like folded under mine. As soon as I got my diploma, I checked that it was mine real quick, just to make sure that I didn't steal um, whoever was after me. Make sure everything was signed proper. Checking the documents. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not leaving until I uh, get my diploma signed. Yeah, it was a little scary because uh, it was just so weird that I didn't want to screw it up. So, yeah, that, that was the first half of our graduation. The first half was in person and on Saturday. It was all filmed. There were, like, four different cameras some of them video cameras, some of them like photography cameras, all pointing at us, which was just my favorite thing in the whole world. Calvin loves being photographed. It's, yep, it's my favorite. And then the second half of our graduation, hence why I said he graduated twice, was they did a, a broadcast of it, but a day late where they edited it. Edited it? They edited. Edited. Edit, edited. And you made fun of me for saying sewed. Well, I knew that I said it wrong. Just, I, okay, it's a Trenton accent thing. It is. All right. Where you don't pronounce the T, so edited. Edited. Anyways, the second half of our graduation was the first day's video footage edited together with a commencement speaker and with some other stuff interspersed in between there and like fancy graphics and things like that. Hence why I said Emmanuel gra graduated twice. It was, it was kind of weird watching your own graduation the day after, but I don't really think it was for us, but at the same time, it definitely was for us because they had the commencement speaker in the broadcasted version talking directly to us. Yeah, like watching from my couch, me walk to the <laughs> to get my diploma, and then like like the thing is the primary thing that happened was us getting our diploma and smiling for a picture with our family, and the rest was speeches and charges and prayers, which were really great, but it was still very weird watching it the next day. So I just finished reading um, a book this week called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it did actually change the way, 
or at least the way I want to approach work going forward. The basic premise of the book was the fact that we are in an age where distraction is so prevalent and so easy and kind of takes over our world. And it talks about how we need to go back to this deep work where we're concentrating and um, and it's just completely isolated to some extent, as opposed to shallow work of like checking emails, setting up meetings, or even he even went to say that like meetings and those things are all shallow work where you're not completely focused on the task at hand. I think he also talked a little bit about flow, and I know that's something that you, Calvin, are uh, really interested in. And um, I, I, I really appreciated the way he approached it, where he's not saying become a hermit, but pr- gave practical ways to put in deep work into your life. And I actually found that at certain points for quite a while, I've actually been doing this without knowing. Like I used to wake up in the morning and do my work at like sometimes 2.30, 3, 4, 5 a.m. and do my homework then because no one was up and there's no chance of someone texting me or my parents or siblings having me do something or um, anything like that. And that I I found it to work really well because I was able to do things in half the time that it took me otherwise um so i I just really appreciate that book what are some ways he recommends for you to start looking for and encouraging deep work so one way that he mentioned is that it's important to have some sort of rituals and schedules in order to make you force you to work in complete concentration. So a few of them is methodically planning your day that if you have a meeting or a something to do, block that period off and say, that's what you're going to do. But the rest of the time should be spent, or at least he says about four hours is pretty much the maximum of a person can deep work in a day. Um, but set times where you are completely undistracted so like put away your phone turn off your internet and just work on the things that you need to and 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 he did make a lot of uh clarifications at the beginning of the book like this isn't gonna work for everyone like it won't work for like the business business executive whose primary job is to dip their feet in everything but for 90 percent of jobs and 90% of living, deep work is something that's very possible. So like I mentioned, scheduling is one thing. Having a ritual where you start your day by, it's funny, he actually, he calls it his boot up and boot down ritual or shut down ritual, where he does a certain set of steps in order to get himself ready and in the mental frame of doing highly concentrated work and then at the end of the day set a time even if it's like six o'clock or seven o'clock after that time don't do work don't do anything like don't check your email um become like relatively unreachable because your mind also needs time away from work to relax and uh 
And that's the only way you'll be really effective in those other times. I love self-help books and that whole subculture of productivity. I think it's also very, uh, it can also be dangerous and there are a lot of caveats to my love for it. But in general, I really like the ideas of being able to control yourself and being able to maximize the productivity you want. And listening to you talk, I think there's been a lot of convergent evolution um, with what you're saying and what I've, I've figured out, especially about, I think creativity is an interesting lens to look at productivity through because most of the time when people mean productivity, they mean their relatively uncreative job, which is like just your normal office job, like that kind of thing, trying to create a product, um, marketing, that kind of thing. Like those are the, the areas of which people normally talk about productivity in. But I think creativity has the problem of being amorphous enough that you have to sort of break you have to learn to break a lot of these rules like when i try to set times for when i paint i find that that schedule doesn't normally line up with how i how i best paint i don't paint i can't paint from from noon to 4 p.m. every single day that just never works with my schedule. There's always something that comes up. And also, also all of the work around painting of drawing and researching and studying, those things which are peripheral to painting but still an important part of painting practice, they're so different from actually painting that it's it's difficult to create those rituals or habits in an effective and productive way because some days I'm going to be hiking into the woods in order to do a plein air study and other days I'm going to be inside doing a hundred gestures, gesture studies, and other days I'm going to be just sitting down and working on a painting. And that variability, I've often had trouble fitting into these very habit-based productivity systems. So he makes a great point to that because he himself is a writer, right? And um, he talks about many artists who like found systems like this and just struggled because of the reasons that you mentioned. And he, he says this interesting thing near the end of the book. He says, first of all, each schedule should be made that day. Right. Like if you have a meeting, write it down for that day. But at the beginning of the day, give yourself a schedule. But that schedule is mostly in reference to distractions. For example, he says, if I find like an interesting he's also a mathematician. So he says, if I found out like this really interesting proof that I really want to research, I can completely ditch my schedule and say, I'm going to spend the rest of the day on this. And as long as it's not like, oh, I found this interesting, interesting Instagram post, I'm going to spend the rest of the day on this or like on the explore page or like Reddit or YouTube or whatever. He says, 
like those worthwhile things are completely fine to ditch your schedule and do for, which I felt can be to some extent iffy. And when do I actually keep the schedule? And I think that it's, it's about practicing going into deeper. For example, for you, I think that it's something that you've ingrained into, like when you're painting, you're like highly concentrated on painting and you, it's less of a problem for you. But if I were painting, right, I would be have probably have my phone nearby, maybe check it a couple times. And that I'm like the way I paint is probably from a video that I'm watching anyway. So it's very easy for me to get distracted if I'm painting. But for you, it's something that is already something that is v- deep work and, I, and inherently that. This may be a dumb question, but what's the point of having the rules if you can break them essentially on a whim? And how does that not just turn into a slippery slope? Because you're breaking them for a specific set of things, right? Like, So there are rules for how you're allowed to break the rules. Sure. Like you can, if you set aside two and a half hours for a painting and you realize, no, this is really good painting and I really want to keep going with this. Or like you've done 50 gestures and you set aside two hours for that, but then you realize... I really want to do 50 more because this is something that I'm like really interested in. Then you can like basically he says, okay, he doesn't say throw out the schedule. He says, make more time for that. But the schedule is basically scheduling this time of concentration and deep work. If you're going to be extending the other times, like you can't extend the other times, right? Is what he was saying. Like you can't extend social media time. He says, set some time out for distraction because otherwise you'll just like, it's a futile attempt. Like you need to just schedule those times where you're willing to let go and then get right back onto it. So this is a very loose schedule. For you. Like that's the thing. Like since that happens a lot to you, it would be very loose for you. But for me it would not be as loose. Like I don't generally have as many epiphanies in a day or a week or a month, like as you do. (laughs) Um, So I think for me, it would be a lot stricter because I know if I'm going to work on taking a video of my, I don't know, debate thing, that'll take me maybe an hour. I'll schedule two hours for it and then I can do whatever else. So what does this look like practically? Is it a planner every day? Yeah. So I think for me personally, I want to be a lot more. So I, I've ever since online learning and stuff, I've been having a planner. Like I, I, I've been pretty religious about it, writing down exactly what I want to achieve in that day. But I think being more specific during school time, I hated planners. Anything like that just gave me the like disgust like I had a little like a bitter taste in my mouth because of them but I think with unscheduled time like we've had in the past few months and we will have in the summer and um depending on whether I take a gap year I will have a lot more of 
I think it's very important to block it out. So I, I am planning on doing that. And also just practicing times of concentration. An interesting thing he talked about was card memorization, like memorizing a deck of cards in order. And just like little things that'll help you do that. So when the power went out, I was like, this is a great time. Like no one can, I had to like cancel a bunch of my meetings because I couldn't talk to them. So um, I like sat down and I practiced this and now I can memorize like half a deck of cards in order. And stuff like that, which train your mind to think deeply. I think that with your painting, you're pretty far through that process as opposed to like normal people like me. <laughs> Mere mortals. So in light of your newfound productivity skills, which you found from reading this book, are you thinking about how you're going to plan your summer? Yeah, I think that planning long-term summer plans in general are is just foolish at this point um to some extent like sure i want to travel somewhere but i don't know if i can travel somewhere um i do so i am uh hosting a debate camp called jumpstart debate it's a little sponsorship um in the middle of july so there's a lot of, and since this year it's going to be virtual as opposed to in the school building and as previous years, there's a ton of work that, there's a ton of things that we're going to have to update and change. So I've been working on the website and I'm going to have to film around like 10 lectures or talks. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of room to implement my new strategies um because it's probably going to be at least five hours every day for the next month or so um working on this how about you anything besides painting besides painting or okay well what Why is your what are you <laughs> what are your um goals for painting this summer are there any big projects you're working on well goals I have I have I have different things I want to get better at. I don't have a, a specific project planned, but I do have sort of a curriculum for myself which I'm planning over the summer um, to improve a lot. Uh, I I just started two different master copies. Um, one is of a Rembrandt uh, a Rembrandt self portrait, um, and another is a detail shot of a, a William Adolf Bouguereau painting um, which I really like so two very different styles two very different masters which I'm going to be doing but basically what my plan is that in every morning I'm going to have um, a three-hour painting block and then in the afternoon I'll switch pieces and then do a four-hour block um, and so I'm going to do that every day no but that's really good the building a curriculum for yourself that takes a lot of discipline i'm trying to do something like that with programming as well because if i do take a gap year one of my major goals is to get really good at it or good enough to first of all be um productive and helpful at an internship and also just to be prepared for school next year 
What are your plans for music over the summer? That's a great question, which I too am thinking about heavily. There's okay, so I started doing my music stuff a lot a month ago or so, and it was really easy to find time, and I was like down here recording a lot of the time, but. Recently, my time has been fractured a lot more with um, school and school stuff and now the debate. So, like, the three main things I want to do this summer is um, working on programming, working on, like, finishing this debate thing, and then music. And I have a bunch of pieces, like, actually, like, a weird, like, I have, like, four songs that I started um, which like I just had to leave off because I didn't have time to finish. And so the, there's a lot of revisiting that I'm going to have to do and re-recording. And I know I promised you a song too, and it's still on my mind, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to start that as soon as possible. And I think that the scheduling thing will help a lot. Like if I set aside three hours in the afternoon, to record it's like gonna happen whenever i make a schedule like an hourly daily schedule i'm always surprised at how much time there is in a day how much time there is in a day when i don't make a schedule it always feels like the days are slipping away so that's my little plug for making a schedule after bashing it before calvin's back on board so I I don't make an hourly schedule, actually. I make a schedule of things I want to accomplish in a day. Yeah. Which, the, the main problem for me with time management is just after I finish one thing, it takes me so long to decide what to do next. But if I've already decided the eight things I'm going to do in a day, then I can go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and I'm fairly efficient. It's just figuring out what to do. All those plans tend to happen at night when I'm thinking about the next day, but I forget about them in the morning, so I really have to write them down. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from that is just being intentional about it. Like, there's times where I'm like, yeah, I have to do some editing and I have to do some... And I'll, I'll figure it out tomorrow, but... Or even I'll figure it out as I go, but that's, like, the worst thing ever. Like, I will not figure it out as I go. I will finish this and, and like... It's like, I know I have to do something. And then I'll feel unsatisfied for the rest of the day because I knew I had to do something and I just haven't felt done. Yeah, and then I'm, like, checking my emails and my texts and like I'm sure I told someone I'd do something and and then when they remind you and it's like oh I I was supposed to do that and it, I feel so bad and it's like a never-ending cycle so I think that that is yeah another reason I do want to start an hourly thing yeah I was watching a video about this guy who tracked every single minute of his day and I'm really tempted to do it just just track it yeah every single minute wow because 
the idea is I probably spend most of my day doing things that I don't want to be spending my time on. Hmm. Like I probably spend eight hours doing things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Eight hours just sort of existing and eight hours sleeping. And I think that's even higher than most people. Like I, I spend a higher proportion of my time doing things I want to do than most Definitely. people. Do you want to, you want to do it as a challenge, Calvin? You and I, I yeah, challenge. can we, we'll, we'll both, we'll choose a day, probably like Monday. Okay. And track every minute and then we'll come back and we'll discuss our results. Okay. I will see you on Monday. On Tuesday, yeah. So we'll record our stuff, our time on Monday, and then we will discuss on Tuesday. Perfect. Let's roll the outro. You're right. It does sound like a rom-com, but a very questionable one.